Welcome in to the All Things Bama podcast, powered by BamaCentral.com, your Sports Illustrated source for all Crimson Tide athletics. I'm your host, Tyler Martin, joined today to preview the College Football Playoff National Championship game. With me is Brendan Gulick from Buckeyes Now Sports Illustrated. Brendan, how's it going, man? Hope you're having a great day and a great morning. Well, thanks, Tyler. Good to good to talk with you. And I'll tell you what, man, 2021's off to a pretty good start for this uh, Buckeyes and Browns fan. I've got a couple of playoff games, although admittedly the uh, the, the the Browns playoff game has taken a little bit of the uh, energy and fun out of <laughs> out of all of our hopes and dreams here up in uh, in in Ohio, certainly uh, in Northeast Ohio. So uh, we are awfully hopeful the Buckeyes play well this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, the Browns dealing with um, with with some COVID positives uh, to, to Kevin Stefanski and some other guys on that staff and some players. But but speaking of COVID issues, right? Uh, and just trying to get into it, deep diving into this Ohio State Buckeye team, Brendan. I um, okay. So first things first, right? I mean, I think coming into this matchup, a lot of Alabama fans, you know, even before the the playoffs started it was like okay why is Ohio State you know in here right they've they've played six games like they they you know they don't deserve to be in right so kind of talk to us Brennan from Ohio State perspective about this team and up to this point and kind of the journey that they've been on this season and how how wild and how much of a roller coaster it's been (laughs) it has been uh I mean, as much of a wild storybook season as honestly you could really consider writing, um, I I suppose it might be appropriate for us to start here by saying that it is January 7th and, uh, you know, we're recording this shortly uh, before 9.30 a.m. Eastern time because things tend to change so frequently that, uh, you know, (laughs) at least let's start with that baseline. Um, You know, Ohio State has had a a pretty wild go at it, Um, and, and I... I said at the beginning of the year that this was going to be one of those one of those seasons in college football where, you know, by playing a season, um, the NCAA and and frankly, fans needed to accept the fact that everything was going to look pretty different this year. You were going to have teams that played different number of games. You were going to have teams that that had to deal with this thing uh, way more harshly than others. You know, it wasn't going to be a fair season in a lot of ways. It, you just kind of have to deal with whatever hand you're dealt. And the way it turned out, the Buckeyes, you know, for for a good while there, were able to dodge a lot of the COVID-related adversity. Um, but then once it hit, it, it hasn't really let up, and it's it's been pretty tough. Um, the city of Columbus has really been one of the the major national hotspots here the last couple months. Uh, for COVID itself. And so it's that that's made it, you know, pretty challenging. Um, the good news is the Buckeyes have come through it, you know, generally, you know, all things pretty good. Um, but there, you know, this goes back so much further than that. I mean, it spring, you know, spring practice, the Buckeyes had three practices and that was it. And they had to quarantine all summer and you had guys that were building their own, um, you know, uh, weight rooms at home, uh, in their respective homes, they were building racks and and learning how to do with whatever they could get their hands on uh, different strength training activities. And that usually included lifting things that weren't weights, <laughs> um, just heavy objects. I mean, it, 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 it really has been a wild year in that regard. So, you know, you get toward camp season and, um, 
you know, the Buckeyes are practicing and hoping that they're going to have a year and then bang in the middle of September, the big 10 says, you know, we're, we're going to postpone the season, uh, indefinitely and not sure if, and when we'll come back. And, and then this whole, you know, we want to play movement started that was led by Justin Fields and, and Clemson quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, um, and the Buckeyes fought like crazy to just have a chance to go play football and, and let it be on their terms if they wanted to, you know, to have a season. Uh, and I think the fact that, you know, with the exception of the Pac-12, uh, the rest of the country didn't shut down. I think it applied a little bit of pressure on the Big Ten. And the season finally came back about a month later. But they tried to sandwich eight games into eight weeks. And, and that seemed like a pretty you know, pretty daunting task considering, you know, what, what we were up against here with the virus. So Ohio state starts the year with three straight games and then they didn't play back-to-back games for the rest of the season. They, they had a game canceled every other week. The first two were not their fault. Um, Maryland and, uh, um, well, I guess the first one, uh, Maryland was not their fault. Right. Uh, then they played Indiana and they looked good. They were going to go to Illinois and the Buckeyes got hit with the virus and had to had to you know back things off a bit, um, but came back and and beat Michigan State, uh, and then unfortunately Michigan canceled on them. And and I mean you guys know a thing or two about rivalry games down down your way. You know canceling the Ohio State Michigan game for the first time in about a hundred years uh, was was as, as difficult to swallow as anything you could think of up here. Um, and yet the Buckeyes kept on on pressing forward and. You know, the, the whole Big Ten rule change thing, I think a lot of people made something of. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure that that was fair. I think it was kind of overblown. Ohio State had had beaten the only other team head-to-head that uh, could have, quote-unquote, qualified for the Big Ten championship game. Um, and Indiana, you know, acknowledged that and in a tweet they put out right away, said, we didn't play well enough. We didn't, you know, we didn't get in. Um Ohio State went through some adversity in that Northwestern game. They didn't play very well, and Northwestern's defense is pretty good. Um, and Justin Fields was dealing with a with a thumb injury, and so they handed the ball to Trey Sermon, and he ran for a school record 331 yards. Um, so they they had a, a smaller resume, man, and it was you know a, a pretty impressive six and zero resume, but it was only six games. And the question to a lot of people was, should they get in? I argued all along that they should, but perhaps I'm biased because I I think the playoff system as it's currently set up is flawed. I have argued for eight teams since day one. I think if you've got five power five leagues in every other sport at every other level of the NCAA, winning your conference championship means something. It means you're going to the tournament, uh, except in major college football, which is just head scratching. I don't know why you know, the, the NCAA doesn't want to set it up that way. So I would have preferred to see a system where if you win your conference, that that puts you in the college football playoff. And I think they should give one more, uh, I think they should give one spot to the best, you know, uh, group of five team in the country and then fight over the last two. I think you could have a great 18 playoff that way. So, you know, I, I, I think Ohio state did deserve to be in. They looked really good and they won games in different ways, and they won their conference. And it wasn't their fault that the Big Ten decided to, to you know, mess with the scheduling the way they did. So, you know, I, I I thought they did enough. I thought they proved they were one of the best teams in the country. And and it's funny, man. The the narrative now is a whole lot different than it was a couple of weeks ago after the uh, whooping that Ohio State put on Clemson. So I think they've certainly showed that they belonged. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with what you said, Brendan. I think I think now I think Alabama fans and, and Ohio State fans, obviously two great programs. They're you know, it's it's kinda like you know, at the beginning of the season, they both were fighting for the same thing, right? They just wanted a shot. Um, Najee Harris, a part of that that movement as well with Mac Jones, and they just wanted a shot. And Ohio State, it was it was cool to see Ohio State and and it, their um, athletic department really go against what the Big Ten, a lot of people in the Big Ten wanted to do, like Kevin Warren and some other schools. And so um, I know people down in the South were, were just were cheering for the fact, okay, we we want Ohio State to play, and um, and you know you're right, they can't help that they only played six games at before they played Clemson. But going into the playoff, I think everybody was like, okay, you know, Clemson's seven and a seven and a half point favorite. Um, that number might have changed when their offensive coordinator Tony Elliott got uh, was was you know couldn't couldn't go with COVID. And then we see just an absolute beatdown in the Sugar Bowl, and it was obviously a different kind of beatdown, right? I mean, you look at that Northwestern game; it was the Trey Sermon show, and, and Trey played phenomenal against Clemson, right? But but he only had hit three thirty one against Northwestern, and then only one hundred and ninety three against Clemson, um, and it was Justin Fields hooking up with a deep ball to Chris Olave, who, who wasn't a part of that Northwestern game. Um, so what was the Ohio, was the beatdown in, in the Sugar Bowl as much as a surprise to you as it was to maybe the rest of the nation? I don't know if I would say a, a, a total surprise. I mean, I, I picked Ohio State to win a tighter game. Uh, my prediction was 31 to 29. I, I, I just didn't think it was going to be, you know, that wide margin of a game. But I, I didn't look at the game you know, in the days leading up to it, thinking that Ohio State was not capable of doing that. I just thought it was going to be tighter. Um, you know, Ohio State's offense is the real deal. I mean, they are really, really good. And frankly, Alabama's offense is probably the only one in the country that I think consistently performs the way Ohio State has. I expect that this week's game is going to be unbelievably good. Um, you know, I, uh, what, what was remarkable to me about that game, you know, people look at the the final score um, and say, gee, that was, you know, that, that was a blowout and it was, but statistically it's not like Ohio state, you know, uh, totally silenced Clemson. I mean, Trevor Lawrence threw for 400 yards. The key was they never had a play longer than 29. It, there, there were no, you know, back breaking game changing momentum shifting plays for Clemson in that game. And it's not because they aren't capable of it, but this Ohio state defense, um, it's designed not to give up big plays. And, and while they have given up big plays in a couple of games this year, I mean, that Indiana game, the Rutgers game, both of them were, were pretty frustrating. Uh, Ryan day has said on several occasions, how much time and effort they have, you know, put into working with the secondary and, and getting those issues fixed. And in the biggest stage of the season, you know, I'm not sure they could have had a better performance. You're not going to stop. Travis Etienne and and Trevor Lawrence and some of the talent they have at Clemson, you you have to find a way to contain them and not not let them break the game open on you. Um, and on the offensive end, Ohio State feels like they've got the guys that can go with anybody in the country. Um, they've got a really good offensive line. I think their tight end group is the most underrated position group on the team. Um, obviously, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson have had great seasons, but Ohio State's receiver room is extremely deep and talented. Um, you know, Trey Sermon has has put together the the statistically 
the best back-to-back rushing performances in Ohio State history. They've been playing football for 130 years, and and you're right. He only ran for 193 last game after 331 the game before. But back-to-back games, 524 yards. Nobody has ever run for more yards in two consecutive games. Um, even going back to Ezekiel Elliott's big uh, big performance, three straight in in 2014. Um, and look, when you have a healthy Justin Fields, you you, you certainly like your chances. And that was part of the storyline. You know, I, I thought Justin Fields had the single greatest individual Ohio State performance in program history on uh, on on the Sugar Bowl game on New Year's Day. And I, I realize that's a big statement, but man, I'm telling you, he threw for 385 yards, six touchdowns after he got absolutely smoked in the second quarter, was in clear and obvious pain the whole game. And after that hit, he threw for 288 yards. Um his his toughness, his leadership, uh, you know all the all the demons that the program had to exercise after having never beaten Clemson. Um, certainly, what they had gone through last year and all the things that had happened this year, all the people that doubted them. I just I thought Justin Fields could not have possibly been, you know, a, a better, more productive player last week. Um, you know, I'm sure he's receiving as much medical attention as he he can get, whatever whatever that is. The Buckeyes have been pretty tight lipped on uh, on his condition, um, but they they they've made it pretty clear, man. They're going to ride with Justin Fields as long as they can go, and and obviously they've got a lot of respect for this Alabama team, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to a great game on Monday. Me as well, and you, you know, you've mentioned uh, Justin Fields a lot, and he, he's familiar with Alabama, right? I mean, he's coming from a Georgia program uh, back in 2018 where they played Alabama in the SEC title game, and, and he probably remembers that that fake punt he was a part of that that kind of blew the game for for the Georgia Bulldogs, and and it's kind of been you know cool to see his journey go from um, you know this star recruit, and he, he you know he couldn't really, I mean, Kirby didn't play him over Jake Fromm, and now he's you know, tearing up uh, the Big Ten and college football as a whole. Um, but I want to flip over to the defensive side of the ball, Brennan. Um, just looking at this Ohio State defense, kind of going back and watching some film, um, the rush defense is really good. And and they've got they've, they've to go up against Najee Harris, who's part of this three-headed monster, this Alabama offense, who nobody has seemed to have an answer for all season long, him, Mac Jones, and Devontae Smith. But specifically in the running game, and, and I know that there's been some chatter out there about Ohio State might not have some guys on the defensive line available for this game due, due to COVID. Um, just wh- how, do, how, do, how do you size up the matchup between Alabama's offensive line and Ohio State's defensive line, and especially the running game with Najee Harris? Najee Harris is the real deal. <laughs> I mean, he, he is really, really good, and he is fun to watch. Um, I, I agree. I think he's the best running back in the country, and um, – you know that to me, that's the bigger challenge. Even though Ohio State's secondary uh, at times has has been a little hit or miss this year, in my opinion, if Ohio State can't contain Najee Harris, they're going to have a tough time on Monday. They've they've got to start there because they've they've got to make Alabama force them to respect the run and um and and you know put an extra guy in the box if they're going to open things up outside. Um, you're right. This rush defense for the Buckeyes has been phenomenal, and it, it's. It, I don't. For for as bad as the pass defense has looked at times, and that's not really fair to say it that way. But the pass defense is 116th in FBS. Uh, the rush defense is second, 
and they have bottled up good running backs several times throughout the course of the year. Um, most notably Travis Etienne, who's the all-time leading rusher in ACC history. And I think Clemson had like 44 total rushing yards as a team. Um, you know, they, they, they are a, a really solid veteran linebacking core with, with seniors across the board there. Baron Browning, Pete Werner, Tough Borland. Um, Tough Borland is one of only two Ohio State Buckeyes ever to be selected captain three times. Uh, JT Barrett's the other one that, you know, the guys, they love him. They love the way he plays. They love his leadership. Um, the, the defensive line, you know, I, at this point, we don't really know who's going to play and who's not going to play. Um, I certainly hope everybody's healthy. I mean, last week the, the team was missing a couple of defensive ends. Um, but when Ohio state puts out their availability report, they don't specify if players are out because of COVID or injuries. So it's kind of hard to know, you know, with 100% certainty who's dealing with what. Um, but Jonathan Cooper and Tyreek Smith played a phenomenal game last week uh, on the edge. Tommy Togiai and, and Haskell Garrett certainly look good uh, as, a, as a media contingency. We spoke with Haskell Garrett yesterday, so I, I have no reason to believe that he's not going to be able to play. We spoke with Jonathan Cooper yesterday, so I certainly would think he'll play. Um you know, the, the the Buckeyes have to be gap sound. They've got to wrap up Harris. And if if I'm uh if I'm Steve Sarkeesian, I'm I'm gonna try early and often to to get Harris going because I think that's the key to Alabama's offense having a really good day is trying to trying to, you know, break the will of the Ohio State strength on defense. And, and two, it's like, then, okay, you bottle up Najee, and it's like you've got Devontae Smith, Mac Jones, and John Mechie to worry about. So how do you think the Ohio State defense is prepping for the, for the passing game, right? You mentioned they're 116th out of 127 FBS um, schools. Um, and I, I think, too, like Notre Dame did it a little differently, right? They rushed three a lot. They dropped a lot of guys into coverage. Ohio State's not going to drop three obviously you know they're going to they're going to they're going to they're probably they're going to rush four um and they're going to dial some different blitzes but um you know with, with the secondary as you're saying you know in the indiana game and some other instances this year as 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 bad as it has looked um what do you think their game plan is 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 you know it because it, it's not going to let Devonte smith beat them deep so um i'm curious to how many you think they're going to drop into coverage most of the night and, and just what that game plan is going to look like yeah, honestly, man, I kind of think they're going to do what they've done all year. I'm not sure that that um, I'm not sure they're looking at Alabama thinking, okay, we've got to change drastically what we're doing. Um, to me, this this game is about premier elite athletes playing against premier elite athletes. You know, if you're in the trenches for Ohio State on defense, you got to take some pride in the fact that you're going up against the the best offensive line in the country this year. They just won the Joe Moore Award. Um, so, you know, it, mentally you're prepping yourself thinking, hey, this is the best of the best. This is why I came to Ohio State and and there's a national championship on the line. It's, it's you know, m- me versus him and I'm going to try to go beat him on every play that I can. And if you're Alabama, it's the same way. I'm, you know, I'm looking at at the elite talent on the other side of the field saying, hey, this this is the best of the best that we're going to see all year. We got to find a way to, to win our one on one matchups. Um you know, I, I don't want to get too much into scheme because I, I'm I, I think I get over my skis a little bit too quickly on that. Um, I know Ohio State certainly will bring some pressure. I, I don't know that they're going to blitz the way Indiana blitzed them. <laughs> um, but I, I think Ohio State's linebackers do a pretty good job in coverage. So, 
you know, I, I think you will see them um, in some in some schemes where maybe they're you know the linebackers are uh, are are covering in the flats or you know within just a few yards of the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, the Buckeyes once in a while they'll bring some pressure from the nickel, uh, and and they do run you know five defensive backs a decent amount. Um, but I, I, I'm not sure that the defense is, is necessarily built so much to, to confuse and be complicated, uh, for, for Mac Jones to, you know, to read and dissect. I think Ohio state, you know, they rely pretty heavily on their athletes, uh, to make good plays and, you know, to their credit, they've done that pretty well this year. Um, but they're playing against some really good athletes (laughs) and, uh, you know, to sit there and say that, you know, Devonte Smith isn't going to have a, a couple of really, really good catches. That's just silly. You know, and if Jalen Waddle plays, I mean, gee, man, he is—he's as good as it gets. Um, that's a, a whole other layer if if Waddle's able to come. So, you know, I expect them to to pin their ears back and and try to play aggressive football and and to to try and you know take Alabama out of sync. Uh, I'll say this: the the best thing they did last week, Clemson didn't really work in front of the chains very well. Um, they, they did not have a lot of great first down plays and I think that's a great success, a great, uh, or I should say great recipe for success. Um, if you're, if you have negative first down plays, um, or at least non-productive first down plays, it becomes a whole lot, dif- a whole lot more difficult to, to get the offense rolling. So, um, I, I know the Buckeyes take some serious pride in, uh, in what they do on defense and, uh, I'm sure the, the energy and effort level will be there. And look, we've mentioned Ohio State's passing defense is vulnerable. Um, Alabama's, you know, isn't 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 not, isn't not vic- is not a victim to that too, right? I mean, uh, Patterson has been unbelievable, but but some other pieces in Alabama's secondary has has been questionable, right? Um, when you when they face explosive offenses, Ole Miss, Florida, those two games, right? I mean, Alabama has looked suspect in some departments, and um, this is kind of why this game is, is probably set at the over under at about 77, 77 and a half. Um, I, I'm curious, Brennan, do you, do you think, you think it goes over or under that total? I'm going to say over, but I think it's a pretty good total. Um, I see this game looking an awful lot like the, the last time these two teams played in, uh, in the sugar bowl back in uh, January of 2015. Um, you know, I, I, I haven't totally locked in on a final score prediction yet, but, uh, the idea of, you know, a 42, 35 type game kind of sits sits well with me for whatever reason Ohio State hasn't kicked a lot of field goals this year um they they just haven't really settled much and you know I knock on wood saying that um because last year against Clemson that was that was part of their kryptonite Ohio State kicked a, a 21 22 and 33 yard field goal uh in that eventual six point loss to Clemson they had a chance to put the Tigers away early and instead they were only up 16 nothing and and things kind of fell apart on them um, so I, I, I expect there's going to be a lot of touchdowns in this game. Um, I, I, that's just how I see it. I, I, I'd be surprised if all of a sudden this turned into a defensive battle, but you know, both teams are certainly capable of making some good plays on defense. So we'll see, uh, we'll see how it goes. But I, I, uh, if you're asking me to take an over or under pick on, uh, on that total, I think I'll go over. Yeah, I, I've. I think I've finally squared on one and zeroed in on it. 38-31 for me, um, Alabama. And the reason I say that is because you. I think this game is going to be it's going to be tight all game. And I think the spread right now is at seven and a half, eight. Um, I think I think if I'm playing the game, I play Ohio State in the points. 
um, because Alabama has never covered. This will be its fifth playoff national championship game, and it's never covered. It's 0-4 previously um, in, in this spot, and obviously they're 2-2 two two, um, straight up in these games. Um, but I think I think both teams are, are too talented defensively to not get a few stops, right? I think for Ohio State, um, I look at Sean Wade. I look at the matchup he's going to have with Devontae Smith. Um, I look at Alabama's defense, and I think they're going to be able to get some stops. I think they're going to get a turnover too. And I do think you know Alabama will, will likely turn it over. I think Ohio State's defensive de- de- defense in general is just too talented. Real quick, Brendan, this matchup between Sean Wade and Devontae Smith – Kind of talk to Alabama fans a little bit about Sean Wade and what they can expect from him um, and, and just how you know how good of a corner he really is. Oh. <laughs> um, Sean Wade's had some good moments this year, and Sean Wade has had some frustrating moments this year. Um, again, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on defensive back play, but uh, you know it's hard to know for sure if he's been – uh, always in the right position. I, I will say this: he he made a move from the inside to the outside uh, at the beginning of the season, and the lack of spring practice, the lack of camp reps, you know, it, th- there there was a fairly significant learning curve for him um, because he was essentially changing positions, right? Um, but I, I think he's recovered fairly nicely. I mean, he had a he had a nice pick six in the Indiana game. Yeah. Um, he's, he's had some really good bright moments. Um, you know, I realize he's, he's been, uh, picked as a consensus all American. I, I don't know. Um, the standard right now at Ohio state in the defensive backfield is almost unfairly high with the success that they've had over the last several years and in, in churning out these first round draft picks that are, uh, playing corner or playing safety. Um, I, I like Sean Wade. I'm, you know, if I'm a Buckeye fan, I'm glad he's on Ohio State's team. I'm not sure if I see him playing at the same level as Denzel Ward um, or, you know, a couple of these, uh, Jeff Okuda from last year. Um, but yeah, you, know, was you, you can't, Okuda was unbelievable. Um, but you can't coach size. And, you know, Sean Wade is, is quick. He's long and lanky. Um, you know, for the most part, he sticks with receivers pretty well. Uh, he's got good body control in the air. And again, I, I just go back to the lack of reps thing because, you know, when you're transitioning from inside corner to outside corner, you, you gotta have the chance to, to play that position, you know, rep after rep after rep in, in a game setting. Um, and I think that's why he struggled a bit early in the year, but he's, he's definitely made some good strides. I think the whole secondary has, um, you know, how, how can you not say that the Heisman trophy, uh, Heisman trophy winner has an upper hand? I mean, I, you know, Devonte Smith's going to have an upper hand against any cornerback he plays in the country. Um, but I do expect Sean Wade to go out there and compete hard. I mean, I've never thought he doesn't, you know, give his all he, he plays hard. He competes. Uh, there's just times where I, you know, I, I've seen him get beat. Um, but I, I also don't think Sean is, you know, the, the, the biggest challenge in the secondary either. I think there's been other guys who've had, uh, tougher seasons. Um, but again, you know, I, I give the guys a lot of credit for against, you know, probably the best quarterback they're going to play all year in Trevor Lawrence, you know, they, they allowed him to get his, if you will. Um, but a whole lot of those yards were yards after catch and, and they never gave up that, you know, game changing play. And I think, 
you know, that's the kind of formula they need if they're going to beat Alabama this week. I know that I, I gave you a winner, 38-31 against Alabama. You said you weren't on a score prediction yet, um, but who, who, who's your, who's your straight-up winner in this game, Brendan? <laughs> uh, I, I do think Ohio State's going to win. Um, you know, it's it to me. There's almost something. It's it's almost more than the game, and I I don't mean to downplay anything that any other team has gone through this year. Um, I just think the the journey <clears throat> that Ohio State has been on the last nine months, and then certainly since uh, since October uh, and September, I guess really uh, in particular. Um, this team is is closer. They are more tight knit. They fight for each other more than than most teams can comprehend. Um, and I I just think it's because they they literally had their season taken away from them. You know, you got a guy like Jonathan Cooper who came back for his sixth uh, sixth year as a as a senior, and um, I'm sorry, uh, Justin Hilliard came back for a sixth year. Jonathan Cooper came back for a fifth year. Um, you know. Cooper's a Cooper's a captain and uh last year you know n- knowing that he had to sit out uh certain games to maintain his eligibility to come back from an injury you know he chose to play against the team up north uh and that meant he he knew he wouldn't play in the Big 10 championship or in a in a potential college football playoff game and and all he's done is work toward getting toward this moment um you know he's wearing the the block O jersey, the, the number zero, in uh, in this first year that the NCAA has allowed that, and and the Buckeyes have decided to make it, a, you know, something that uh, you have to earn. They're not going to just give number zero out to somebody. Um, it, it's guys like Jonathan Cooper. It's guys like Tough Borland. Um, it, it's guys like Josh Myers and Wyatt Davis. I mean, you, you just you you can't help but be impressed with maturity level of, of a lot of these guys, um, that it, that's been the number one thing that's popped out to me this year, Tyler, as, as I've, you know, uh, tried to interact with the team here in some of these media availabilities that's been limited this year. Um, so often you, you, you kind of feel like college football players get a bad rap, um, for, you know, being football first and, and academic second and, and, you know, the whole nine yards. And, I've just been so impressed with this uh, this group of Ohio State players because they they really are impressive, mature young men, and there, there's just something about this team that that feels like quietly they've got absolutely everything going for them. They're not just happy to be in this moment. You know, the the goal wasn't to have a season come back and to beat Clemson. The goal was to come back and win the national championship this year. And uh, I'm not particularly worried about an emotional letdown from last week to this week. I, I just don't, I don't really see that. Um, you know, that's not to say that Alabama isn't the best team Ohio state's played this year. I think that is, that is for sure. Um, but there's, there's just kind of something sitting with me saying that, you know, a lot of people like last week are, uh, are counting Ohio state out and, um, I just kind of have a sneaking suspicion that they're going to find a way to get it done on Monday. Yeah, Ohio State, I mean, it seems like last time, too, when we had the first, the inaugural playoff for the 2014 season, and Ohio State made that that crazy run, right? They were underdogs in their final three games with Cardell Jones, starting with the Wisconsin Big Ten title game. 
Um, and it, it seems like, you know, it's a very similar kind of storyline compared to, you know, Ohio against the world back in 2014 and even maybe more so um, this year. Um, but one thing I, d- I do know, I mean, this is obviously a matchup that um, I'm not – it obviously doesn't frighten Alabama fans to say, but but they, they, they respect Ohio State. They understand what Ohio State brings to the table. Um, and it's just a ma- – I mean, this is – if you love football – this is this is this is what you live for. I mean, this is the kind of game that um, is going to get everybody excited on Monday night, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I know you're headed down to Miami. We'll be headed down to Miami, so um, it's it's going to be a blast. And again, thank you for coming on here, Brandon. Where can everybody find your work at um, if they're interested in and in, in, you know in cover in listen, looking at your coverage of the Buckeyes? I appreciate that. Uh, Buckeyesnow.com. It's uh, or if you want to be more specific, um, you know, it's it's the Ohio State channel on Sports Illustrated. So uh, si.com slash Ohio State will get you there. But uh, Buckeyesnow.com. We're on uh, on social media, uh, Twitter and Facebook. Buckeyes Now on SI. Um, you can follow my Twitter handle, Brendan Gulick twenty two. Um, we try to put the put our stuff out in as many places as we can. A lot of uh, a lot of content in Ohio State Facebook fan groups that I know people are kind of kind of pouring through and message boards and things like that. Um, but uh, BuckeyesNow.com is the the easiest place to find uh, find everything. BuckeyesNow.com, where you can find all of Brendan Brendan Gulick's work. Um, and, and you know, like you said, we're recording this on Thursday morning, and uh, and who knows what we'll have by then. The game is obviously on schedule to play on Monday night. Uh, but we'll see if uh, any anybody else tweets more about us from COVID nineteen conspiracies. <laughs> Uh, that stirred up the fan base. I can promise you that, Tyler. <laughs> no, I, there's, there's no doubt. There's no doubt about that. But um, just again, thank you. And uh, for Brennan Gulick, I am Tyler Martin. This has been another episode of the All Things Bama Podcast. Have a great week.